Chapter Four, Section Two of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter Four, Section Two Identification of the Aesthetic and Ethical Points of View. But on the other hand, it seems to be clear from all that we can learn that their habitual way of regarding works of art was not to judge them simply and exclusively by their aesthetic value on the contrary in criticizing two works otherwise equally beautiful they would give a higher place to the one or the other for its ethical or quasi-ethical qualities. This indeed is what we should expect from the comprehensive sense which, as we have seen, attached in their tongue to the word which we render beautiful. The aesthetic and ethical spheres, in fact, were never sharply distinguished by the Greeks and it follows that as on the one hand their conception of the good was identified with that of the beautiful so on the other hand their conception of the beautiful was identified with that of the good thus the most beautiful work of art in the greek sense of the term was that which made the finest and most harmonious appeal not only to the physical but to the moral sense and while communicating the highest and most perfect pleasure to the eye or the ear had also the power to touch and inform the soul with the grace which was her moral excellence of this really characteristic greek conception this fusion so instinctive as to be almost unconscious of the aesthetic and ethical points of view no better illustration could be given than the following passage from the republic of plato where the philosopher is describing the effect of beautiful works of art and especially of music on the moral and intellectual character of his imaginary citizens we would not have our guardians grow up amid images of moral deformity as in some noxious pasture and their browse and feed upon many a baneful herb and flower day by day little by little until they silently gather a festering mass of corruption in their own soul let our artists rather be those who are gifted to discern the true nature of the beautiful and graceful then will our youth dwell in a land of health amid fair sights and sounds and receive the good in everything and beauty the effluence of fair works shall flow into the eye and ear like a health-giving breeze from a purer region 
and insensibly draw the soul from earliest years into likeness and sympathy with the beauty of reason there can be no nobler training than that he replied and therefore i said glaucon musical training is a more potent instrument than any other because rhythm and harmony find their way into the inward places of the soul on which they mightily fasten imparting grace and making the soul of him who is rightly educated graceful or of him who is ill-educated ungraceful and also because he who has received this true education of the inner being will most shrewdly perceive omissions or faults in art and nature and with a true taste while he praises and rejoices over and receives into his soul the good and becomes noble and good he will justly blame and hate the bad now in the days of his youth even before he is able to know the reason why and when the reason comes he will recognize and salute the friend with whom his education has made him long familiar this fusion of the ideas of the beautiful and the good is the central point in the greek theory of art and it enables us to understand how it was that they conceived art to be educational its end in their view was not only pleasure though pleasure was essential to it but also and just as much edification plato indeed here again exaggerating the current view puts the edification above the pleasure he criticises homer as he might criticise a moral philosopher pointing out the inadequacy from an ethical point of view of his conception of heaven and of the gods and dismissing as injurious and of bad example to youthful citizens the whole tissue of passionate human feeling the irrepressible outbursts of anger and grief and fear by virtue of which alone the iliad and the odyssey are immortal poems instead of ethical tracts and finally with a half-reluctant assent to the course of his own argument he excludes the poets altogether from his ideal republic on the ground that they encourage their hearers in that indulgence of emotion which it is the object of every virtuous man to repress the conclusion of plato by his own admission was half paradoxical and it certainly never recommended itself to such a nation of artists as the greeks but it illustrates nevertheless the general bent of their views of art that tendency to the identification of the beautiful and the good 
which while it was never pushed so far as to choke art with didactics for plato himself even against his own will is a poet yet served to create a standard of taste which was ethical as much as aesthetic and made the judgment of beauty also a judgment of moral worth quite in accordance with this view we find that the central aim of all greek art is the representation of human character and human ideals the interpretation of nature for its own sake in the narrower sense in which nature is opposed to man is a modern and romantic development that would have been unintelligible to a greek not that the greeks were without a sense of what we call the beauties of nature but that they treat them habitually not as the centre of interest but as the background to human activity the most beautiful descriptions of nature to be found in greek poetry occur incidentally only in the choral odes introduced into their dramas and among all their pictures of which we have any record there is not one that answers to the description of a landscape the subject is always mythological or historical and the representation of nature merely a setting for the main theme and on the other hand the art for which the greeks are most famous and in which they have admittedly excelled all other peoples is that art of sculpture whose special function it is not only to represent but to idealize the human form and which is peculiarly adapted to embody for the sense not only physical but ethical types and more remarkable still as we shall have occasion to observe later the very art which modern men regard as the most devoid of all intellectual content the most incommensurable with any standard except that of pure beauty i refer of course to the art of music was invested by the greeks with a definite moral content and worked into their general theory of art as a direct interpretation of human life the excellence of man in short directly or indirectly was the point about which greek art turned that excellence was at once aesthetic and ethical and the representation of what was beautiful involved also the representation of what was good this point we will now proceed to illustrate more in detail in connection with the various special branches of art end of chapter four section two recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey